0: Is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590
1: The Fan.
2: Live on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet's YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now, iTunes, Spotify. Glad you're aboard for the next couple hours. Real Kipper and Born, Derek Brandeo, David Sisboomba, Sammy McKee, and... He's wonderful. He's talented. Put your huns together for the lovely, gorgeous Gord Stellick.
0: Oh, my God. If you... Sunday night wrestling. I feel like that at Maple Leaf Gardens. Yes. The Iron Cheek. Maybe someone
2: like that. I'm ready, Kip. Ready. A C- couple of days off for Justin Bourne. Yeah. On this long weekend. Well, well deserved, deserved. Yeah. for our, our guy. And uh, we're happy that you're on board here for the next two hours and tomorrow as well. So tons of. Things to get into, Gord. Welcome aboard. Oh, good. Yeah, now,
0: uh, Kippy, um, might as well be here because everyone's talking about the Leafs anyway. Do you not find that? Like, you know, which I, people say, hey, I, don't, I hope you don't mind if I bother you. I go, no, otherwise I wouldn't make a living
2: if people weren't interested. I think we could easily burn two hours just trying to figure out again what, what the heck happened on Monday. Yeah, no, totally. To-
0: and that's a big thing. Honestly, The co- and I know we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference final getting underway in the West
2: and we are. all those kinds of things. And but just, uh, just to add to that, uh, in about 20 minutes, Trip Tracy, Carolina Hurricanes, Bally uh, Sports Television, uh, digging in with Trip, the podcast. And you know, Trip's story has been well-documented publicly and is rode back. Yep. to broadcasting with Carolina. So happy to have him on the show, and we will get into the Eastern Conference. Uh, Jeff Chickren, as well from Panthers TV, and of course, uh, my former roommate uh, with the Hershey Bears. Was he? Yeah. How many roommates do you think you had? Oh, I'd probably say about uh, like, 20, <laughs> anyway. 25. Well, good.
0: Good guys. You're, That's...
2: You're, you're looking for a place to stay?
0: Uh <laughs> Years ago, yes. Right now, I'm okay. I'm okay right okay. now. So everything's right, good. good. Everything's good. good. And then Darren Pang in, in the uh, fourth hour. So we'll have some yeah. fun here. Do you remember Panger's quote to Sports Illustrated a thousand years ago when he was the third goalie with the Chicago Blackhawks? And back then, they were big on, you room together for cost reasons, right? To the <laughs> yeah. room. And he just said something about, well, there's no problem because, I don't know, say it was Tony Esposito. You know, I don't know who the, uh, whoever it was, it wouldn't be Tony, but whoever it was and somebody else, and they just put me in the drawer. They just put him in the, in the, you know, whatever. That's how we fit with three goalies way back when.
2: It's funnier the, when Darren said it. It was a Seinfeld episode. Yeah, kind think, of. When, yeah, uh, that's right. He had, yeah. He, had, he, puts, he put a few people in Guys the Guys are
0: visiting from another country. <laughs> and,
2: they, and I think Kramer organized all that. Okay, Gord, you may be the perfect guy to ask this question because uh, you've followed the Leafs for a very long time and you've seen some some storylines that uh, have led to you scratching your head. Yeah, where does Monday rank for you?
0: Right up there. I'll tell you the last one before that was after one year of Kyle Dubas and Mike Babcock when they both faced the media and you said, are you guys with the same team, right, that you got? And, again, I throw that a little bit of Brendan that, you know, Kyle Dubas inherited Mike Babcock who said, this, I'm not this guy's guy, so I don't give a bleep, you know, what he says. And it was very obvious in that – exit press conference that particular year. And then Kyle had to come up and basically took the blame for everything kind of a, you know, just cause Babcock, yeah, it was just kind of a weird one. This one, okay, first we 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 chatted about it. I I visited with you and Justin a couple of days ago that it almost seemed like the players, it's almost scripted. You know, it's almost like they've you know, and I I don't knock that. I mean, nothing really crazy comes out in those postgame, in those days. I thought it was really encouraging. Austin Matthews saying about long-term, he didn't sit on the fence and give a vanilla answer. Like, so that was good to hear if you're a Leaf fan. But, like, first of all, you're wondering about the scrutiny of the general manager, scrutiny of the coach. You look what happened to Jeff Gordon a couple of years with the Rangers, Gerard Gallant this year with the Rangers, Peter DeBoer now coaching his fourth different team into the conference final. Like, based on your record... There's a case that can be made, a very good case, and I'm not saying I'm making it, that change there is one of the two. you change Lou Lamorella when things are going well, right? You know, so anyway, I, I thought maybe there'd be a little bit something more forthcoming there. We saw with Gerard Gallant that you can still face the media and not be there. and I'm not trying to get these guys fired. But then Kyle's going public, and I his raw honesty, I always appreciate raw honesty because we get too many sound bites from people in general about the kind of pressures his family are feeling all of a sudden was, well, there's going to be more pressure next year. I'm just giving my opinion. I don't know how you're, you're able, you're able to handle it or not handle it, but that's a big, big concern. And, and uh, so are, are we, are we on hold until like, I don't know, like obviously internally, they must've known that and, uh, or been aware of it. I would think otherwise, you know, so it's like Ryan Fabro just said to you, are we going to have something going to happen on the weekend? like, you know, like, what, like, what, are we just waiting now? Is this, is this, you know, is this camp, you know, just wait it out and we'll get, we'll get back to you kind of thing. So, cause you got decisions to be made, right? I don't mean you have to get rid of everybody or whatever, but just guys can start having uh, no trade contracts and whatever July 1st. And if you're going to, if you said you're open to anything, well, that that's a bigger statement than other years, but then you're saying I may not be the person. So there's gotta be a person, Like, is Brendan Shanahan going to step in, Kippy? For, like, you know, like, what happens? Or does he all of a sudden, does Kyle is one week enough to get everything straightened out? Like, really get everything straightened out? Like, I I live near, I think I told you, Alex Anthopoulos. And he went through a situation with the Blue Jays. And that was more public. They really hired his successor. But then they offered him something. Turned down five years, $10 million. Yeah. And I remember talking to him a few times. Like, and, but there was a plan and he went and ultimately won a World Series with the Atlanta Braves. But he went through a lot of soul-searching and he was assessing, Jesus, taking a toll on my family. I don't even know if I want to get back into it. Like, he went through that. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, and I I don't know if it's if it, do you think it's a similar situation with Kyle now or not. Like, what?
2: Uh, yeah, listen, uh, we sat here yesterday, the three of us, Sammy McKee, will get you here. Uh, Justin Bourne and one of the questions I threw at you guys, he uh, said on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, this time tomorrow and yeah. we are now 24 hours are we going to have an answer and i think i think justin said yeah we will have an answer this is there's been plenty of time here to say to to come out publicly and at least guide the leaf fans the season ticket holders uh, the employees the players that uh what's going on here and yet here we are uh with nothing sam I, How surprised are you that uh, we are here 24 hours uh, from asking that question and still in the same boat? Every,
1: every minute that passes, I become more and more surprised that we haven't had any announcement on the future of whatever's going to happen here with the Leafs. I, I do feel, though, that we're heading towards the long weekend here, Victoria Day in, in Toronto, Ontario, that you know, there's, there's a chance for a Friday news dump of all Friday news dumps here to me where they keep this quiet, and regardless of what they're going to announce, tomorrow at 5 p.m. to me is a really good time to, you know, people are going away, there's less people working. Like, I, I do feel that we could be heading towards that tomorrow. So, That's Gordon, my,
2: my gut. You've sat in a general manager's chair and and, and talked with the PR department. If, if Sammy, uh, Sammy's right on this, then isn't it only... Uh, le- Lead, does that not lead us to believe that it won't be positive news and that you do want to bury it at Friday at 5 p.m. because it's not going to be something great? Uh, that used to be kind of a strategy.
0: And then when you, you know, I mean, I go back to when Harold Ballard would try to usurp the Grey Cup in a different way, right? The Grey Cup was big and he tried to make a hockey story, right? So, you know, different different strategies. Uh or I, social media take care of that. Yeah, yeah, I don't think, you know, I mean, like it's kind of like Kawhi Leonard when he went. It, it's not like they planned it. What was it, Canada Day? Or we're in and around there, it was a holiday weekend. I, I So, I, I that hey, hey, you need honest answers. And you need honest answers to your consumers, your ticket holders, your fans. And the fact is that if Kyle Dubas hadn't made that public, you know, we wouldn't be in on it. So behind the scenes, you'd be having a conversation. The assumption is there's a contract offer out there, um, and he can think about what he wants to do, what, whatever. But, like, like, hey, you got uh, you get a phone and someone's in charge who wants that job. Like, you know, th- this is his team. This is his team. This is his coach. He's doubled down and doubled down. It's a really great team. It was a great team. Not, not, not a team with playoff success. We know that. And that's been the problem. Because, you know, when he – talk about pressure. When he got the keys, it wasn't a team to make the playoffs. It's a team that had made the playoffs – it was a team to get deeper in the playoffs. So um, uh, you and Justin brought it up that is the pressure internally, the fact that is there a rift, rift between him and Brendan Shanahan? They don't sit together anymore. That doesn't mean there's a rift. I think actually where he sits now is a better place because he sits in kind of a GM's box with Brandon Pridham and Jason Spezza and Haley Wickenizer and whomever. He used to kind of sit over where where Brendan was and what have you. Uh, so I don't know. I don't I don't know what it, it may be, but, uh, you know, hey, there, there's there's – Someone's got to answer the phone. Stuff comes out out of the blue, right? We had that 27 minutes of the PK Subban trade and the uh uh the Taylor Hall trade and the Jason and, and the Stamkos Coast Green going back to Tampa Bay, right? That all happened like in 27 minutes before July 1st. And, you know, stuff's out there. Stuff happens. So, it's kind of like, okay, do we do we just
2: wait? I mean, the, the longer that we go with no announcement, the more would lead you to believe that there will be Changes, there will be a, a separation between Dubis and Shanahan? Well, just if I'm a boss of any place, okay, and you're
0: not, you're having your druthers about either staying put or taking the job, then me, I just speak about any situation, I would then be, say, okay, you know what, Gord, loving you, why don't you let Kipper be in control right now, and you, f- you figure it out separately from needing somebody in the trenches or whatever or you know just that's what i think i will take him at his word that it's not a contract ploy because i understand there's apparently a a contract being offered i don't know so i i don't know there, i mean i've I,
2: enough reported that everybody um, is led to believe that there's been a contract waiting for for Kyle i mean
0: this is the guy that really got handed the job almost on an accelerated level because apparently there had been an interview in Colorado with the avalanche that little Amorello, it wasn't the time for Lou to step down. Like, like one more year with Lou would have not like Kyle got saddled with doing all those contracts right out of the hop, you know, like all the big contracts. Like, so, so I'm just saying in Lou's case, you weren't patient to bring Kyle in and now you're being extremely patient. And uh, I'm talking from an ownership or you know, higher up management level. So, like the focus should be the team. How do you go deeper in the playoffs? What gives? And now the focus from everybody, from the takeaway, from the stuff on whatever whatever day it was, is does Kyle Dubas want the job or not? Not that he doesn't want it. Does Kyle Dubas does he, does he can he feel is the pressure the the family situation too much that he he doesn't want to continue the job at this time? That's the focus. There should be a focus professionally about. This team being where the Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, Dallas Stars, and Vegas Golden Knights are. And where where they haven't been since, what, Pat Quinn's era.
2: Sammy, where do you think this is going to head every minute, every hour, every day we don't hear anything?
1: I think you could make the argument both ways. That the longer we go without hearing anything, maybe they're sort of waiting for the public... To cool down a little bit after yet another playoff disappointment before announcing that maybe the head coach and the general manager are going to be back. I think you can look at it that way. But I think the reverse could also be possible too where they're, you know, they like we've talked about, you wrote about today in the Toronto Star Kipper with an excellent article speculating that potentially that press conference changed the way some of the people at MLSE think about him and some of the board and Brandon Shanahan, maybe that changed things too. So maybe they're really mulling it over if they really want this guy. Like I truly don't know which way I'm leaning here. Cause it's a really weird situation to have gone this
2: long. There's enough from both sides. And yeah, uh, if you get a chance, just go to my, uh, my Twitter handle real at real Kipper. And uh, I wrote an article on it today. Uh, and basically, the the gist of it is maybe both sides have to think twice moving forward, and that there's, regardless if he comes back or not, Gord, Monday changed a lot of things, right? And there's no going back on that. And I would think that both sides have ample reason. What of do you, Skipper? What do you think the biggest thing that changed was? The biggest thing that changed is that uh, that 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 Kyle's. In a place now where you're, you, you' you'll be wondering whether or not moving forward if he does come back if something like what he's experienced could happen again yeah well as I said you think the, and again i'm not I, I
0: respect family first and foremost and I respect his honesty and I respect um, his priorities but you know you like you mentioned it this was a pretty Good regular season. This is a team that was in the playoffs, as you said, when we chatted November, was playing Tampa Bay in December, had home ice at advantage against Tampa Bay in January, actually won a playoff round, which was huge after 19 years. You can argue they got outplayed, but they won the playoff round. And then the act that they pulled too often in the first round, they pulled the first three games of the second round. So we thought we'd said goodbye to Lex. So, So that to me is where that kind of pressure emanated internally not having the contract feeling like a lame duck uh, are is he at odds with certain people the board Brendan Shannon I don't know I don't but know Gord, all, but if, just if what, any
2: of that's true it's a very dangerous game if you want to pull your wife and kids into the equation here. it's called brinksmanship if that's what you're doing that 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 that's a, that's a game
0: you better play right it's called brinksmanship if that is in fact what he's doing if if it were to be a a kind of Contract ploy about that. He says it's not, and I'll take him at his
2: word. I, I will too. And yeah. I, that's the first thing I thought of when uh, the, the the press conference happened on the Monday, and then you wake up Tuesday and you're like, "Come on, he would never do that." There's, there's just no way. You know who did it? It was during COVID. Jim
0: Rutherford, and he regretted it two months later. And that's why he got back on with Vancouver. Like, remember he left the you know the Penguins. Paul Maurice did it in the middle of the season with the Winnipeg Jets. You know, like I, I just so it's kind of like it, those guys are at a place, and if you're at that place, you probably should step away and follow through.
2: And there are other opportunities okay, but, that will come but, but, up. But Jimmy's, Jimmy's seventy, seventy-two. Like this is a a thirty-seven-year-old man who's just basically starting, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have Stanley Cups behind him, and he doesn't have. The the experience or the pedigree of a Jimmy Rutherford, how, how does how does he how does he do that at age thirty seven, and never won a game in the second round? Uh, well,
0: how you feel as a human being, and whether you want to call it mental health or family uh, family stress issues, doesn't matter what age you are or how many Stanley Cup rings you have. I mean, I'm just using uh, a comparable about. Guys that surprised everybody by, I found those two very surprising about Rutherford and Pittsburgh and Paul Maurice in Winnipeg. That in the but middle of the season. You said season, Jimmy
2: regretted it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So two is, months later. Is there a chance Kyle could regret it? Big time. Uh, today? Big time. Tomorrow? What? Um, you know, so
0: Alex went through, Alex Anthopoulos went through the process for a few months. He was actually considering going into media. So they found out what we make, but anyway, uh, then he, then he, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so there was a. I, I remember the genuineness he had with two young kids. All of a sudden, this whole reevaluation process. So, does it doesn't change in one day, Kippy? Does it? Like when you're when you're, you know, you put it out there like that. I mean, I anyway, it's just kind of all of a sudden, like like the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a holding pattern right now. Is that you know from the outside looking in? I'm sure business. Is going on as usual, and also when you when you have a great management team, and they have a great management team, I mean, stuff is getting done, people are getting, but you you need a leader who makes the final decisions.
2: See, the, the one thing I was getting to today, also how it doesn't change, uh, it changes everything, uh, is is if he does come back, Gord, and let's say there is a press conference as early as tomorrow, and they're together and. Uh, you know, do you do you believe that uh, the media or the fans or the city deserves some type of explanation, or is it just good enough? Is that we had uh, a few things that we needed to iron out, and we have, and now we're moving forward, or or do you, do you feel like people need more of an explanation?
0: Well, um, you know, pe- people can decide for themselves. I know if he I know if he comes back, what's going to be said, and it will be, you know, like hey. After the seventy-two hours to clear our heads, um, we're we're good. We've decided we're moving forward. I'm fully in, both feet in, and and that's that's what he'll say. So whether that's one hundred percent the truth or not, that's what you're going to get. So now, okay, get to work and and uh, do the splaining on the ice. I think he knows that, and that's maybe you know where the where the pressure is about getting deeper in the playoffs. And again, we go back to. Let's see what happens, not, not just in game number 83 now. We're talking game number 88, 89, 90 now about next year, about having a, having a more positive appearance, not in the first round, but the second round of the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I think you're the saying the same thing. Even though it would be PR scripted to a degree, I, w- I, will, I will take him at his word and, and face value about things. But it's just, it's, it's a difficult spot to expect in two, three, four days, um, there would be a complete enlightenment in that regard, but I will I will leave it to him and the others to
2: figure that out. How about you, Sammy? Would you need more of an explanation? Like, Monday, he publicly says, I'm not ready to fully commit, and by Friday, he is, and that will be the end of it? I think... That's a good
1: question. I think he would probably take it upon himself to kind of explain himself, you'd think. Like, I don't know if I necessarily need that as a fan. I think... A lot of fans can understand the scrutiny and the tough part of this job, and I'm sure we all understand that he feels like that for but for to see it so publicly was a different thing completely. So I think I don't think I need it from him, but I bet he would explain him and the thing that I mean not talking for now four days, it's just allowed for this. It's allowed for speculation. like you talk about it, Gordo. I'm sure you get way more than I do. But the number one question people ask like I've been all my Leaf fan buds, like what's going on with Dubis? What's like who's in charge? Like, it's a big talking point amongst it's Leaf. It's huge.
2: No, like, it's absolutely huge. And he's allowed time if, for if speculation. He, if he does sign it, that I don't I i I'll call it a seed of doubt that he planted on Monday will will carry through the season next season with him. Oh yeah. No, regardless it, of what he says. Regardless yeah. of what he says, yeah. no matter how much they want to brush it under the carpet that will always be in the back of everyone's mind is what happened? Why Why did you temporarily quit? Why didn't you commit saying, hey, I know my contract's up, but I want to come back here. Sheldon did it, and he has another year on his deal, but he never wavered. I, I love the challenge. I want to be here. This is my team. A missed opportunity. Sheldon addressed what happened. There was a
0: missed opportunity by how they played in the first three games. I mean, really, that's kind of what we thought maybe Kyle – Kyle Dubas would say, but you know, like whether it's Brendan or the board at this point, you kind of, you never want to talk someone into taking a job now, you know, so it's kind of like if I had no idea this and I was one of the parties, which I take it, there's three ownership parties, including Rogers, right? That I don't know how much, how they work it or whatever, but have to be in on decisions and two out of three, I guess have to, uh, my understanding is, is have to be uh, in in agreement. But all of a sudden you're saying, well, wait a sec, um, you know, we have this offer here, but if he's not sure about things, okay, then I'm not so sure about the offer. I don't know if any one of those parties is saying that or not, but I know that would that would not be something uncommon in business. If you got if you were getting that kind of feedback.
2: Okay, well, I'm sure pick up uh, that more on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but in the meantime, uh, as promised, uh Trip Tracy joins us, Carolina Hurricanes uh, uh, broadcaster and uh, host of Digging In with Trip podcast. Uh Trip, you're so lucky, man. You get to actually talk about games and and playoffs and potentially winning a Stanley Cup. Way better than what we're dealing with up here.
3: Yeah, Kemper, great to be with you and Gord today. I I did hear it's a beautiful, uh, sunny day up there. But, um, yeah, I certainly thank my lucky stars that uh, shortly I'll be driving into the building here for the Eastern Conference Final. And, you know, as long as we've known each other you know, the big thing is is that, you know, when I you know, I've seen my you know, my dear friend who I've known since I was a teenager, Paul Maurice, yesterday and today, you know, back when he was coaching and Peter Laviolette in the middle when they won a Stanley Cup, it was Feast or Famine. And it was there were some great playoff runs. But the I mean, this has been unbelievable five consecutive years in the playoffs and all really good regular elite regular season teams as it's moved on. It's it certainly makes for a lot of enjoyment and You know, with all due respect to broadcasting, cakewalk broadcasting.
2: Well, you mentioned it. Uh, One of the storylines is not on the ice, it's off the ice. Well, barely off the ice, uh, behind the bench. Paul Maurice versus Rod Brindamore. Who's going to enjoy this more?
3: (laughs) Um, Wow, that's a great question. Um, I I I would say... Oh, man. I, I would say, if I if you put a gun in my head, I, I would say Paul Maurice. Um, you know, just because I remember talking to him when he was uh, in parts unknown because he'd go fishing outside of Winnipeg um, in June of last year, and, and I really think because he had a daughter going to Miami, that the, the Florida job was going to be the only job that could really lure him out of uh, the great outdoors. And um, for the team to have had the second half push, I think that He's going to get a ton of enjoyment uh, for Rod, you know, I think it's um, it's, a, it's, an, it's a very interesting relationship uh, because, you know, you, I'm sure you guys have spent just a ton of time talking about the Leafs, and I remember the 2002 conference final, and what a great series that was, and Rod was assistant captain to Ron Francis, and then they beat Toronto in six and lost to that uh, Hall of Fame-laden Detroit team. Uh, In the Stanley Cup final, Paul was the coach, Rod an assistant captain. Then, of course, Rod wins the cup as a captain with Peter LaViolette. Then after that, you know, circumstantially, Paul came back. They went to a conference final, caught Rod at the, you know, the latter stages of his career. There was a captaincy change. I can remember, like yesterday, Eric Stahl um, before a game in Atlanta and the grace that Rod handled that transition. Unbelievable. Um, And since Rod... Paul Maurice gave him his first start as a coach. You know, I think when Rod was trying to decide that after hockey if he'd go into the managerial department or, or coaching, then I know when Rod became a head coach without experience for the first time, Paul reached out to him at uh, at the coaches' convention surrounding the draft. So, um, it's a it's a. It's an amicable relationship, but I think it's extremely competitive, and I'm, I, I know, I'm sure Rod wants to win this series badly.
0: So, so, Trip, you know, we're just talking about Toronto, and it was great getting in the second round, but more is expected. Last year, it was Colorado had a, had a breakthrough, get beyond the second round. They did that and won the Stanley Cup. What was the kind of pressure on Carolina? I mean, you want to go as deep as you can, but this, was this kind of the minimum acceptable, uh, say, from the fans, for starters, to get to the Final Four?
3: Oh, hey, Gord. I, I, from the fans, I would say first when Pacioretty goes down, but then when Svechnikov went down, and, you know, you, you know, I, I talk to our mutual dear friend Don Waddell about you all the time, and, you know, and, and, and the Hurricanes, I thought, were very... Uh, they, they had a plan going into the trade deadline that then got questioned, and when I say a plan is you know, I think they, I think they targeted Timo Meyer, and I think they made a really good offer. That's my own opinion. That's, you know, it's just my own speculation. But when, that, when that didn't go, if in fact that's true, they didn't become reactionary. You know, and uh, they didn't, you know, because then I think you're dealing from a position of weakness, not strength. And what they did is they really assessed, in my view, a glaring need to make their team better, and that was a left shot to have three lefties and three righties in the back, end, a guy that could help the power play offensively, which I think there's still more there, but I think bear has been a terrific fit. Um, The fans, their expectation, even with the key guys that would uh, decimate even great lineups, and then Tara Vinan going down, even though he'll be back tonight, he's missed a month. You know, you miss those top three guys. Uh, I didn't see the expectation go down with the fan base, and that makes what they've done that much more impressive. I give... I give Donna just an, a, an abundance of credit because it was never feel sorry for yourselves. There was a plan in extremely impactful off season with what Brent Burns has meant to this team, way exceeded expectations and the expectations were high, but then the next man up mentality and still the, the, the consummate belief from Don and Rod, who I think has just had a marvelous coaching two rounds in the playoffs that with their lineup, if they had everybody pulling on the rope, uh, that, that they could still be very successful. And this is going to be their toughest opponent so far, uh, really a combination of the, the, the true assets of, of the Islanders and the Devils. Um, but they have had that complete buy-in. I think that uh, it's, pretty, it's, a, it's a really impressive thing because in this market where the pressure hasn't been there like it is now until recently, even with those guys going down, that pressure stayed high and that pressure remains high. Uh, that uh, you know that that they expect them to to beat this very very good Florida team.
2: The Eastern Conference Final gets underway tonight. Carolina and the Florida Panthers uh, joining us now. Carolina Hurricanes broadcaster Trip Tracy is podcast is called Digging In with Trip. Podcast uh, the name Freddie Anderson up here. People know it well. My producer Sammy knows it really well and. I'm not sure he's too happy to see Freddie's success, but I am. (laughs) Tell us about his playoffs so far.
3: Kipper, I I would say, okay, so they're playing Florida tonight, who they played in game 82, where they need to beat Florida to, to win the division. And, you know, the carrot of winning the Metropolitan Division, I thought was especially incentivized this year. Freddie played that game, played two good periods, and then it was a wild third period. They still won the game. So I'm looking at the following Tuesday, I think it was, was game one against the Islanders and which way Rod would go. Now, Freddie ends up getting injured early in the series or an illness, the factor of the two. Um, And so he wasn't truly an option, I think, games two through when he started in six. But what I loved, if he was an option in game one, Nick, going with Ronta because Ronta had not lost at home since November uh, and had earned the opening night start. Uh, first of all, based on merit, was the right call. But then secondly, gosh, I remember I was at a restaurant at a, on a date in Miami back when Washington won the Cup. And in the first round, Barry Trots, because Grubauer had earned it, he started with him. They go down 2 nothing. They go on the road. They haven't won a game in the playoffs. And I remember I was sitting there, and it was going to overtime, Holpe's first start. And I said to the woman I was with, I said they win this game, they're winning the Stanley Cup. Now, you know, did I know that was going to happen? No, but I loved what the Hurricanes have done here, starting with Ranta, who has been excellent. And I, you know, you would have faith in him because he's now healthy, because he played really well in the season series against Florida. You hope it never happens because you hope Freddie owns the net. And what I like about the chronology was, I believe not a very good goaltender, but as a goaltender, when you come in second. I think it's less pressure. And so I think you're in more of a position to thrive and, and be the hero, if you will. And Freddie, that uh, game six uh, performance against the Islanders and then throughout the Devil series, he had one hiccup as the rest of his team did in game three. But he made all the timely saves. He looked good doing it. I just think that the way the Hurricanes have worked chronologically, their two-goaltender skipper so far in the playoffs, has been marvelous. And... Um, you know, Because so, I think it puts Freddie in a position to mentally be right. And when he's mentally right, his mechanics are truly elite. And he can go to toe-to-toe and emerge better than the top goaltenders in the league. And he's going to have to against Sergey Bobrovsky, the way that he's going.
0: Uh, did you have another date? <laughs>
3: did you get a second one? <laughs> Long story short, she married my friend Adam Burrish. Chicago Blackhawks yeah that was hey Gord that was the succession as you and I were talking about the great show succession offline yeah
2: that's hilarious
0: well it's a trip Tracy's a great warm-up act I gotta say yeah that's (laughs) it for sure now now with the Carolina Hurricanes and you mentioned Don Waddell and I and um, well you can't it's okay to be biased for friends who do an excellent job and what I've liked and why we're talking about whether it's you know Kyle Dubas up here about you know feeling he's got his, the pressure and all those things about doing the job moving forward. I've liked being unafraid to let Dougie Hamilton go, to trade Jeff Skinner for nothing. I mean, you do these things, and people go, oh, my God, you can't live without him. Well, no, I got cap space, so when Brent Burns, when the Sharks are in a pinch, I can do that. At the trade deadline, I can always do whatever I want to do. I mean, it's it's exactly the way the the cap should be used, that you don't always need To be at the limit, that you've got to be unafraid when you made a decision. Let them go. Whatever they do with someone else, it doesn't matter.
3: I I I utterly and totally agree because I can remember it was before Rod had coached a game. You know, Don was uh, you know his first time being general manager and president of the Hurricanes. He had been president, but first time being GM of the Hurricanes, albeit a true veteran. But they traded Skinner before Rod even coached a game. It was my belief. I'd love to see Jeff Skinner prove me wrong, but I have trouble believing that you can win 16 games in the playoffs with what I believe is lacking in the two way nature of his game. I'd love to see him prove me wrong. I felt the same way about Dougie Hamilton in Crunch Time. Um, But, you know, they have a plan, and their plan has been for me, they've had some targeted non fool's gold situations in free agency. Jesper Fost is a perfect example of that. But last summer, You know, they got it done. They tried to sign Tony D'Angelo. It didn't happen. And so then Don gets active and aggressive and targeted in the trade market. And I know it hasn't worked out because of just awful luck with regards to Max Pacioretty. But when I look at Brent Burns, okay, so you you can't sign Tony D'Angelo. The Hurricanes are not on Brent Burns' limited list. And Mike Greer is a first-time general manager. So if Don doesn't attack and get aggressive quickly, it doesn't happen. Then, furthermore, when you think about his experience that, uh, Gord, you know even better than me, you know, he happened to have a relationship with Ron Seltzer, who's Brent's agent, going back, uh, you know, maybe even to his time when he spent time as a Los Angeles king. So because of that relationship, he contacts Ron Seltzer. Ron contacts Brent. Brent immediately says, I'd love to go to Carolina. So then it happens in short order. But if Don doesn't have all of those assets, I don't even. Brent probably gets traded because there were a lot of teams, maybe a couple that are still playing right now that were very desirable and wanted him. So I think that just really epitomizes really all the things that he's been able to do because prior to Don here, there really wasn't an aggressive mindset in the general manager's position. And uh, I think the Brent Burns acquisition and everything that went into it, and he has just been sensational his play and the type of teammate he's been the adversity that any team faces the ups and downs of the playoffs I I mean I can't even believe how much he's exceeded what my expectations were of him as a hurricane I mean this is my 24th year and he would rank in a short list of truly my favorite hurricanes and that's a trade that if Don didn't have all those tools in his toolbox I don't think there's any chance it would have happened because he needed all of them
2: I remember a few years ago covering a Board of uh, Governors meeting and and seeing the owner, Tom Dundon, and everybody's coming in suits, and he's got the look of like I'm watching Dora the Explorer or the boyfriend, Diego with the, the nap, backpack the, the backpack, backpack okay. and uh, I'm looking for boots and all the rest of the characters, <laughs> I guess. And he's just a different guy. And, you know, we, we know that he's got a sense of business that probably g- goes more with selling cars than it does professional sports and big contracts. And he just has this vision of how to spend money. And you know, I know you just talked about it, but uh like he he's, he goes from cheap to frugal or, you know, economically a sound guy. When I look at that blue line and trip, I'm looking at it and I'm going, does anybody have a better blue line than Carolina right now in the final four? And not one guy's making over five point five million dollars. And I'm like, maybe maybe Tom's got something going that the rest of the teams should look at.
3: You know what, for, you, you, first of all, you make me think about when they lost the guys up front. When I thought about how they could still navigate a course to go deep and challenge for the Stanley Cup, you know, they still had their blue line intact and they had, I thought, very targetedly added Shane Goss to spare. Their blue line had every capability to be the best two way blue line in the National Hockey League, and so far it has been. Um, it's, it's the core and foundation of their team. Uh, when I think about Tom, You know, because all of my years, and I mean, Pete Carmanis, the longtime owner, uh, gave me the job with no experience in in 1998 when they were in Greensboro. So he took a chance on me that I will be forever grateful he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, but after the salary cap came into play in 2005, 2006, the Hurricanes, it was the massive exception to the rule that they were a cap team. And since Tom bought the team, they not only have been a cap team, but with the injuries that they've had, in terms of their actually pay- actual payroll, I think Don would say it's somewhere in the low 90s this year. So it starts with that because that's a game changer. That makes your team better if you spend it wisely, like you just mentioned, with the blue line. I mean, you have some drafted players. I mean, Slavin and Pesci go back to Jimmy Rutherford's time. Burns, we talked about that acquisition. Chatfield, the pro scouting department, a player that they thought was just scratching the surface in the Vancouver organization. And then, Gord, having been the manager that you were, I mean, I think Brady Shea, Rod Brindamore would say it. He said it to me this year uh, in one of our coaches' interviews that in all of his time here that he thinks the acquisition of Brady Shea is one of the finest traits in, in Carolina Hurricanes history. So wow. it's a combination of things, and um, and it, it, it's extremely impressive. You're you're dead right.
0: And the thing with Brady Shea is when you're a good-slash-great team, that first-round pick is 27-32, to 32. You know, not what Ottawa did when they got the San Jose Sharks fifth overall pick a couple of years ago. That's huge.
3: It's absolutely massive. And then I think about, and this is really a compliment to the market, because I remember you know, I was at another dinner, this time with my buddy Dean Chenault, who was running our blue line at the time, and last couple of years in Toronto. And, you know, the Hurricanes really could have used a righty at the time, and Brady's a lefty. And... Don made that deal. He traded for Vincent Trochek right at that same trade deadline, who gave Carolina a a very significant contribution. So that was a really good deadline. But I remember hearing right after the trade from Chris Drury, who was assistant general manager of the Rangers at the time, and he said he had a particularly close relationship with Brady, and he said, look out for him, will you? You know, he loved being a New York Ranger. This is going to be a real culture shock for him. And for Brady Shea, knowing how much he loved being a Ranger, knowing what a terrific hurricane he's been, fits right into the great people that they have in this organization. But now Brady Shea, and I've talked candidly to him about it, he, is so, he feels so fortunate that that trade happened. And you know he loves playing for Rod. He loves being a Hurricane. And uh, for, when I look at the growth of the franchise going back to my first year broadcasting in Greensboro, Coming from, a, I mean, a premier organization like the New York Rangers, for Brady Shea to say that, and he said it to me, and he's such a, a big, big piece of the puzzle of that blue line that you mentioned, Kipper, that's a heck of a compliment to where the Hurricanes were and where they're at now.
2: Wish we had more time here, uh, Trip. Uh, enjoy the, the playoffs. Uh, love to have you back on later on in the series. And just on a, on a personal note, Trip, I know that uh, your road back to the broadcast booth has been well documented on the internet. I just want to say uh, you sound great. And how much better our game is with you in it, man. Yeah, thank
3: you so much. That means uh, you know, you've reached out uh, you know, before and consistently. It, um I'm a very, very grateful human. You know, that I mean for me on the personal level, I know you guys gotta go, but when I got a Rod's my closest friend in the organization after I drank and missed the game in New York when they won the Metropolitan Division. You know, I went into a meeting with Donnie Waddell and uh, you know, I thought I might be fired. I certainly would have accepted being fired and he put his arm around me and and said that uh, they were going to support me. So uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the people mean uh, more than I can explain in words, but the support of the hockey people, the great hockey people that I have supreme respect for, that I'm fortunate enough to call friends, like the two of you guys, that's unbelievably meaningful. Thank you.
2: Sound great, pal. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game, man. Enjoy the series and we'll catch up soon. Trip Tracy. It's great. It's good. You mentioned
0: that, you know, Justin, came public as sure. you know these kind of situations and people are interested about that and also to hear the kind of support and I think it's I mean Toronto Maple Leafs or Maple police Sports and Entertainment are probably at the top of the mountain with that too okay about that and it's nice that you have that nowadays but just when he talks about Rod Brindamore and Tom Waddell and everybody else because uh, he he's a fun guy he's a kick-ass broadcaster and it's nice to see him uh, Jim
2: Montgomery you know could win coach of the year whatever but just yeah. to
0: get that deserved second chance yeah
2: and just rest assured, anyone out there, uh, there is support out there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, Sammy, you want to lead us with uh, some playoff picks? Yeah, I will.
1: I just loved hearing that from Trip, and I love him talking about Brent Burns. I love Brent Burns. I just that trade is such a great trade by them, and I love watching Brent Burns. And he's, good. I'm rooting for them. Kind of. Did I, you know he lived in the Winne- Winnebago till his house was ready? Right? Yeah. He Came yeah. to he's Carolina, a, lived that in a Winnebago. Not that kind of guy.
2: Yeah. Big supporter <laughs> of the. The door of the Explorer knapsack. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. He's just an interesting guy. I've always had a So, All
1: right, we do have some playoff picks for you. It's time for playoff picks presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds. And still no hockey has been played, so nothing has changed. But there is hockey being played tonight. So I cooked up a couple little same-game parlays for tonight's action. The first one is the Florida Panthers. Uh, If you think they're going to win tonight, you could take a Matthew Kachuk goal. He went the whole second round without a goal, and the Leafs still lost in five games, which is hard to believe. So you'd think that he's pretty due here for eventually get off the schneid. Uh, so if you take a Kachuk goal, Sergei Bobrovsky over 31.5 saves and the Panthers to win pays 8-1, to which is a pretty good number. And you figure if the Cats are going to steal this game, you'll need the studs to take over, and Bobrovsky and Kachuk have been that for them. The second thing I have is a same game parlay for the Carolina Hurricanes. If you think they're going to win, Sebastian Aho goal, Brent Burns, who I just mentioned, over a point and a, over over sorry, uh, over a point and Carolina wins pays plus three fifty. So that's an interesting one if you think the Carolina Hurricanes are going to prevail tonight. And that was playoff picks presented by Bet three six five. Visit the app for the latest odds. So Brent Burns just has to get one point, right? Yeah. Not over one yeah. point. Yeah. Okay, yeah. over a half. Point. You got yeah. your
0: kids play this, Kippy?
1: Uh, Justin
0: does parlays all the time. Yeah, n- they no. watch the game a
1: different way. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, they do. Yes, and yeah, and I've, I've been partial to do a little.
2: Yeah, let me yeah. ask you something. If I would have told you before this, the the Leaf series started against Florida that Matthew Kachuk wouldn't have a goal, I mean, we've talked
0: about Leafs tonight. That's what I'd be thinking. Leave Florida series, uh, Matthew Kachuk has no goals. Uh, put whatever bet number here, El Gordo has lost the house. Okay? Because I would just say, because he was so dominant, those particularly three games against the Boston Bruins, and that's what even makes you, I would say, I don't get angry, but yeah, I guess more worked up, whatever. But yeah, I thought we'd be talking like Toronto playing Carolina tonight.
2: Okay, we had uh, Carolina's angle. Uh, after the break, we'll bring in Jeff Chickren, former NHLer, uh, Panthers TV analyst. He's got... Uh, He's got the Florida Panthers covered in this series, and uh, we'll dig deeper into the Cats with Jeff Chikrin after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born with my buddy Gord Stellick. Back after these words.
3: Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Real kipper and board on Sportsnet 590
2: the van. Still plenty to get into including the Florida Panthers, who for the third straight round will be Jeez. underdogs. <laughs> which suits Matthew Kachuk just fine.
0: It. Yeah. You know, just uh Again, I know we got Jeff Chikard coming up, but I'm, you know, the, this is the whole thing about getting hot at the right time, right? You know, which the Leafs used to do against the Ottawa Senators. Now it's been done to the Leafs, unfortunately. But the Leafs used to get hot in the playoffs and knock off the Ottawa Senators, a better but, regular season team. And
2: we're talking about good Ottawa teams. Yes, should have won a Stanley Cup.
0: One of those ones that they, one of those ones should have won a Stanley Cup. Great Ottawa Senator teams, really. But getting hot at the right time.
2: And Patrick Lalime couldn't get hot at the right time. Yeah.
0: No, exactly. exactly. Yeah, he, he couldn't. And i got to tell you another one is, I like Jacques Martin a lot, but they took the personality of their coach, which was kind of monotone deadass, and you had Pat Quinn, a little <laughs> bit of fieriness,
2: right? Oh, tell us how you really feel, and I, and, and I just, dead-ass.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, okay, how can I say I like him then say his – but his post-game, his post-game press stuff was a bit yeah. that way, you know, kind of go – I remember once Eugene Melnick was going nuts at the door or something like that, and Brian Murray had to calm him down, the general manager – but yeah, but Ottawa kind of... T- and that's what I don't like about the Leafs
2: a little bit, about, oh, mm, we lost again. It's part of the process. And the, the Leafs back then played the part of the Florida Panthers with Roberts and... well, you know, Darcy Tucker, Sheen, Corson Darcy, annihilated Shane.
0: Alexi Yashin
2: one time. Four-game sweep. You know, Yashin was big on their team. Exactly that kind of stuff. All right, as promised, let's welcome in Jeff Chickren, former NHLer, currently covers the Florida Panthers... As a analyst, uh, Chick, thanks for joining us, man. How are you?
4: Hey, thanks for having me. I, I got to tell you, Gord, I was on my way to the Fort Lauderdale airport this morning, and you were working already. Now you're grinding it up with Nikki tonight, and that, that's that's a long shift. I know how Nicky goes. It's going to be like this series. It's a grind. Uh, hey, w- uh, we know
2: how important uh, role players are this time of year.
4: <laughs> we sure do. Is that ever <laughs> evident? Hey, God, you're not kidding. Jordan Martin, he's... Uh, leading Caroline in scoring right now. I don't I wouldn't have expected that.
2: No, nope, but that's what this uh this time of the year is all about and for the third consecutive series the Florida Panthers will happily play underdog, correct?
4: Yeah, you know, I think uh it's funny interesting to listen to Paul Maurice the other day and he was talking, you know, I I really I think we talked, touched on this last time I was on Nick how this, I, I feel like this has been building for a couple of years. You know, they were an offensive juggernaut under Quenville and then under um, uh, uh, Andrew Burnett last season. Uh, really, so many times they'd have these huge periods to sort of outscore any of their problems. And this year, completely different mindset, uh, really trying to play that defensive style of hockey without taking away the offense, but just being comfortable in a 2 1 hockey game. And, you know, there was a long stretch this year where 60 minutes was a tough thing. Playing a full game was a tough thing. And it was ugly some nights. And I don't know, Paul Maurice made the funny comment the other day how, yeah, and there was a lot of times in December, January where I came on and the media was getting tired of me saying, yeah, there's a lot of parts to our game that I really like tonight. And it just was, and there was a lot of ugliness to it. But, you know, I think that was his message. Just be consistent in your approach. And hopefully at some point, it's all going to sort of come together. And I think what we found the first two series is defensively, they played really well, but they've been scoring when they needed it, too.
0: So, Jeff, I appreciate you listening so much. Don't forget tonight I have a soft, <laughs> soft music, candlelight, and wine show, okay, if you want to set the right mood for that special somebody, okay? Just, uh,
4: I appreciate that. My uh, wife's at home by herself tonight there, George, so okay. I don't know. Maybe, maybe better not. You better pass on that one Okay, today.
0: okay. I'll leave that one alone. You know, so the, you describe, so the Florida Panthers, here's what gets me, Jeff, is that I'm going back to where I thought in September. So look at statistics in September. President's trophy winners last year. See, the, the playoffs cr- just clouds everything when you lose four to Tampa. Best team in the regular season. Add best addition to a new team, Matthew Kutuk. Kutuk. Shake, stir, what do you get? You get the team we didn't see for 80 games, but we've seen for 81, 82, and in the playoffs. Like, isn't this kind of the team all, I, I'm like rethinking it. I, I kept thinking, man, they can't seize the opportunity during the regular season, and then all of a sudden, poof, this is, this is exactly what they should be.
4: Matthew wasn't the problem all year he was great all year I mean, he was he was productive he was he was a Matthew could chuck probably Absolutely. as advertised and maybe then some um It was the rest of the of the gang that it I, there was there was a big transition period I think that's the way it seems to have played out anyway you know Mo was so consistent in talking about from day one I remember a training camp in September well we're doing an awful lot of work three feet from the boards you know we're we want to play be that hard we he talked about when the pace game goes away in the playoffs, and we want to be comfortable playing those one nothing, two to one hockey games. And and I, I remember, uh, you know what? My son was at game is either game one or two in Toronto, watching the Leafs and Panthers. And he said, "Boy, the Panthers are in trouble. They're down two nothing." I said, "Yeah, but watch how comfortable they're going to be now." And sure enough, they they got the they, they made it two to one. And they went on to win that hockey game and just, you know, it's almost like Paul predicted, you know, obviously you can't predict how you're going to be, but this is, this is in my opinion, what he was hoping for when he took over, get the team to work hard, get them to play well on the defensive side of the puck. And yet he never wanted to slow them down offensively because he sort of had that DNA that's built into it. And there was times he struggled, even though analytically they kept telling us how, you know how strong their power play was or how strong they were five on 5 potential scoring when I mean, they come together in the playoffs timing's good
2: we're teeing up the Eastern Conference final between Carolina and the Florida Panthers joining us now is Jeff Chickren, uh Panther TV analyst you know chick one of the, the the first narratives of of the Toronto Florida series was uh Bobrovsky. uh you can't trust him and here we are now, going into the Eastern Conference Final, and and where is the narrative on Bobrovsky? Has it subsided, or are there people still feeling like midnight's going to strike and Cinderella is done?
4: <laughs> I love the narrative from me there in Toronto. It's great. Uh, no, I think I think I think where we where we sit in in Florida right now. I was in the room the other day, and everything looks. Pretty comfortable. Bobrovsky. In fact, I had coffee with Ron Hextall last week in Boca. We're just sort of going back to his time in Philly and just the great work ethic that this guy possesses. And listen, uh, Goldies get hot. They get cold. They play better sometimes. It hasn't been pretty in Florida, uh, obviously, for first three years. But when when Maurice put him back in the net, I'm not sure what his game three or four against Boston. He said it's time for Bob to take take over. And he's been nothing short of of really stellar, in my opinion, since that time. And uh, I I, I don't know. I think people are pretty comfortable with him right now because he's put together a stretch of, I don't know, almost 10 games now where he's played really solid hockey. So uh, I don't think anybody's expecting the other shoe to fall at any time right now. I think they're certainly hoping not. He looks comfortable. Um, He goes about his business extremely consistently. Uh, You know, you go see him in practice. He does the same things every day, just working on his game. So I'm hopeful, Nikki. Like, I I love the way they were really fortunate to have Alex Lyons start. Actually go in and take over for him in in Toronto that night, too, and uh, just really carry the mail well. But, uh, no, I hope not. I hope it stays. I hope his game stays exactly where it is.
0: So, Jeff, a little bit of a pivot here in that um, I was just chatting earlier. We talked about the San Jose Sharks. And, you know, Doug Wilson didn't, um, didn't put a lottery-protected first-round pick in the Carlson trade. So they got the fifth overall pick, Ottawa did, of San Jose a couple of years ago. And I just know when you guys were struggling early this season, that first-round pick to Montreal for Ben Sherratt... I mean, it was in the Connor Bedard lottery range. I mean, just, just you know, like like an added little. I know the players don't think about it when they're on the ice every time, but you remember years ago when that first uh, first round leaf pick could be Eric Lindros. Remember that? It, and it just dominated the whole season in Toronto. Oh my God, that could be the pick. I mean, it, it it could have been a real disaster.
4: Yeah, no doubt. And listen, in my opinion, since Bill Zito's gotten here, he's brought in so many players it seems like everything he's touched has been really, really golden. Um, And and so I guess, you know, at that time, you're looking at a club that's about to win the president's trophy. I don't think you're really predicting that a year, the next year you're going to struggle maybe as much as they did, obviously in the first five, six games. Now, I'm sorry, four or five months of the season. So I think that was probably in their mind, pretty safe bet. Well, you see how the way way things can turn right In in a 32 team league, uh, you just never quite know. Right. So, but fortunately they, they snuck in the playoffs. They did enough the last three months of the year to get themselves there. And, and by good luck or good fortune or a good work ethic, they had a two goalie tandem that, that got them to where they needed to be. And, and uh, they, they, they caught fire played really well when they needed to these first two rounds. So that didn't come to fruition. <laughs> 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 the, the lottery pick but uh, i see but yeah you, you know I, I you have to you have to be excited when you when you actually live in a market or play in a way where the gm feels confident enough to sort of go all in you know it's it's something that everybody i heard uh listen to Kenny Holland's presser the other day and he said you know he, he you know he, he 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 how when are you going to trade a first round pick he says well i sent two for ekholm because it's finally time over well, it it's really nice to be in a market where the general manager considers it prudent to take a chance like that.
2: You know, Chick, uh, you, you spent your hockey career as a defenseman. Uh, when you watch two guys in particular, Mark Stahl and Radis Gudis, play, um, there's some nights I go, I don't know the game that well. Cause I, I, I thought these guys were done and yeah. <laughs> they, they were unbelievable against the Leafs just in the right place at the right time. Uh, taking away time and space and then Goudis every once in a while plastering a leaf. I mean, yeah. how, how surprised are you that they're, they're squeezing every ounce out of these guys?
4: Right. I've really liked Radco's game from the time he's been. I don't know if this is his third year now. Uh, so I've really liked the way he's always played that, you know, lunch pail style. And like you said, Nikki, with the intent at times to really light someone up and really keep their head up. Marks Doll. Probably, uh, you know, a little bit more of a struggle early in the year, uh, sort of finding his his legs and and sort of finding that fit on this club. But again, from day one, Paul Maurice being consistent, him and Brandon Montour have played together just about every every step of the way. And uh, yeah, I, I, you know, they get think experience, right? It slows things down for you, and even even in this. And, and particularly in the playoffs, where it where it is grind, where it's not quite clutch and grab, but you just really have to be that steadying influence, and really make the play, chip pucks up to people, and just maybe be that fourth guy on the rush. You don't have to lead it, but just just do things simply uh, from the from the the back end. There's enough scoring on this roster, either on the back end with you know Montour, Forsling, Ekblad, uh, or or you know they seem to be getting production from all four lines right now. That uh, playing that simple game is is uh, probably easy, easy, almost easier for those guys at this time of the year than it is in December.
0: So you've got to present the Conn Smythe Trophy after two rounds to a Florida Panther. Is it Bobrovsky? Is it uh, Kachuk? Is it Verhage? Who gets? Who does Jeff Cheekren present it to?
4: Well, I think you have to throw Sam Bennett's name in that conversation as the one, good, well, yeah. He, yeah, he's been he's been really uh, really darn good. I, you know, the one guy look at, I, I guess, I, I guess if you have to name it, I, I think Bobrovsky at this point, because of, you know, I guess being the, playing that underdog, uh, that underdog role for as many, as long as they have the past two series that he's the one to get it. Um, uh, but again, Matthew Kachuk's really carried this club all year. And, and, uh, I know it is a playoff, uh, playoff trophy. So i I'd have to go with, uh, Sergei Bobrovsky and my, uh, my one, a would be uh Matthew Kuchuk.
2: Well, it's going to be a real interesting series here. Uh, you're watching Paul Maurice and Brenda Moore. That alone's a good storyline Chick, Thanks for doing this, man. Enjoy. Enjoy the start of the series.
4: Hey, thanks guys. Great talking to you and, uh, enjoy as well.
2: That is Jeff Chick,ren former thanks. national hockey league defenseman. And, uh, does a great job on the Florida Panthers uh, broadcast.
0: He absolutely does. And so, you, you know, you got all these storylines. You got Paul Maurice, coach Carolina for so long. Uh, on the other side, you got Pete DeBoer. He really wants to beat Vegas. Um, Vegas has an assistant coach named John Stevens, who kind of got embarrassed by Rick Bonus, Another right? you know, of mine. Okay. But, you know, yeah. when, like, Rick Bonus took over from Jim Montgomery and he inherited Montgomery's assistance in Dallas and he really didn't want him. And you remember the next year, there, he did an eight second presser, said, we know what the problem is, and they moved John Stevens right yeah. from behind the like man. Yeah. So he wants that. So you got you got that angle as well, and then you got three Stall brothers playing in this particular series. Another little one I was thinking about because we talk about Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhardt. Do you remember? The heady days, the future, the Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, a tandem bicycle built for two. They rode into training camp. Everything was hunky-dory, and then it wasn't, right? Everything was beautiful with the Sabres. Now, to Buffalo's credit, you know, they've bounced back in a big way, yeah. but here you got them on different teams. Jack Eichel now being where the Sabres maybe thought they were with the Vegas Golden Knights, and Sam Reinhardt being the other Sam on that Florida Panther team. Just how things change, right?
2: I'm a big Sam Reinhardt, Sam Bennett, those yeah. two guys are real. Like they're they they're real hockey players this time of year. They mm-hmm. are, they they are exactly what your team needs.
0: Well, Calgary Flames had Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk. You know, again, again, I know reasons guys go, but all of a sudden you look in the playoffs, man,
2: those are the kind Red of guys you living. Would. Couldn't get a first rounder for Sam Bennett.
1: Wow, you think well, he could
2: now? Think about that.
1: <laughs> He's an impactful guy.
2: And I and begged the Leafs on this show. Not this show. Not this show?
1: I think it was before this show. Yeah, but oh,
2: you, you yeah, can't beg. Right. My real kipper at noon show, yeah. <laughs> I, I think. That's how far back it was. Well. Oh, well, That's how far back. Yeah, you're right, Sam.
1: Yeah, wasn't it Nick Robertson you wanted them to trade for him?
2: Yeah. yeah hey, the, one, one more question yeah. on uh, on Florida in particular, Goudis. Uh A lot was made out of that that picture, Sam, right? Of Gudis's eyes and face staring down at Joe Joseph Wall, who, who claimed he didn't really notice it. Uh, was that a big deal to you? Did it make more noise with uh, with Lee Fan, Sammy? Uh, I think people pretty
1: widespread hated Radko Gudis to begin with. I don't think they that was like, oh, they're like, oh, he was such a great guy leading up to that. I think I hate him now. Everyone hated his guts. <laughs> Everyone hated his guts. anyway, I I think he was probably outside of Sam Bennett, public enemy number one for a lot of Leaf fans. He's not a very popular guy. So I, I said it the day after. I, I didn't mind it. It's, it's the heat of the moment. You're really excited you won the game. They lost. I don't know. I, I didn't mind it at well, all. Well, a lot of other people,
0: because officiating quickly comes to mind, felt, now first it was Callie Yarncroke that got caught and was playing D. So he wasn't. He kind of stumbled, but people feel Goodish gave him a shove, that a
2: penalty could have been called yeah. on that play. Do yeah. you think so? Eh. Uh, I, I don't think it really made much noise on how uh, how uh, blatant it was until Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. I think Yarkov was falling there, there was,
0: anyway. He was scrambling because they were uh, caught up there, you know. Uh, but yeah. after that, like, you know, Gouda, yeah. sh- like how often is he going to be up there celebrating? That's, that, that, you know, that's good hustle getting up there. So I don't, I don't mind that kind, of, that kind of raw emotion. I, I still hate hey, the bite. Who wasn't saluted Yager? Danny uh, Markov. Yeah, Daniel Martin yeah, that Mark that's yeah. a great one, right? After I Gary, love
1: that stuff. After Gary Volkswagen.
0: overtime yeah. winner. You know, yeah. the salute, the smart ass salute to him
2: going the other way. I I I love that kind of the, stuff. The uh, the closest answer the Leafs had to Goudis was Luke Shen. Did he play great or what? Brought
0: the best out of Morgan Riley. Like, you know, so it's funny. Our son Justin first game he went to. He goes, "Wait, well, this doesn't go to a lot of games. Don't get me wrong, I don't spoil the kid, but he just says, uh, I really like Luke Shen, but he doesn't skate very well, right? There's kind of like, and, I, and so then you watch, and he's understood how to adapt. Not yes. being a premier skater, he plays real smart. He played real physical. He brought the best out of Morgan Riley. That this is a guy that you have to tie and the character kind of guy he is. Because when you were talking yeah. about the Florida
2: D, he provided that. Yeah, I still and, think and poised too. Totally. Right? Sometimes you can slow things down for your pace. And he was oh. able to do that, take an extra step, and then make a great first pass. Didn't get uh, always smart but one step ahead of – and and I still
0: think – now, granted, I can see why he wasn't on at the end of the game, but, you know, Kachuk taking liberties with Mitch, and then McKay being down and two guys pounding – you know, those are little things that – oh, okay, that's that's, you know, like – I don't Even Joe Wall could have come out, and I don't know, whatever. Just something, you know? It's kind of like, okay, uh, they y- Toronto wins the game, but Florida kind of delivers a little bit of a message at the 60th minute. Part of my article today I wrote, uh, it was... How uh, big is this
2: article? Uh, it's a good one. Okay. I'll well, show they're good. It, I'll show it to you after the break.
0: Okay. I read uh, them normally.
2: Yeah. Good. I do. Oh, and honest to God, I do. Yeah, good. Toronto Star, right? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, I, I wrote today that uh, the Leafs have made it abundantly clear they want Luke Shen back. I just don't know... Uh, if they're going to be uh, able who wants to him afford back? them. Who and wants them back? What's that? Who wants them back? Who wants? Yeah, like the Leafs, Who? Yeah, that's general, a good man- general oh, oh. manager. Very well, good. I see, think, I think uh, <laughs> I, I think there was a coach that was involved in an uh, okay. exit meeting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, but he's he's still here too, though, right? So I don't you're saying
0: Luke's agent calls. I'm sorry, we're out of the GM's
2: office right now. We will be back in uh, two. Uh, yeah, uh, Goudis is still playing at 2.5 million. Yeah, last year, right? You, you think that's kind of a fair for
0: Luke, number for Chen? Luke? Well, again, we keep getting used to the hometown discount that Jason Spezza took and Mark Giordano took, and whatever. So I don't know what the He's number is. He's not
2: making seven fifty.
0: I can tell you that. What if that's a number to me? Because he did it here. Okay, then yes. You 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 know. Also, what's Gustafson like? I don't know what all these guys are. What's Lillinger going to be? You know, like they're just when. Part of when you had so many new pieces to find out, well, okay, what's what's the units going forward in the future and whatever. But to answer your question, yeah. Um, Luke Shen has basically taken the minimum the last eight years with eight different teams, basically, you know, uh, is, um, is yeah, that's a number. I'm fine with that number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, that seems to be uh, a number that uh are yeah. Lu- throwing Luke's around. If Luke's agent's listening, sorry, Kipper and I do not have any clout. Uh, whatever, <laughs> but we're just <laughs> – <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to bring back ter- uh, Darren Pang, former NHL goalie as well, and doing a, ter- a terrific job for TNT. And uh, a guy that, uh, Sammy, if I stand corrected, just prior to the trade deadline, was all over Ryan O'Reilly and Achari. He was. To the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like so, he,
1: almost like he... Like he knew. Like he might have yeah. known. So yes. He sat in that chair over there and said something. Yes. Matter
2: We'll find out how much he knew after the break. Nick kyprios Gord Stalick, real Kipper and Born.
3: In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Pepper and board on Sportsnet 590, The Fan.
2: Darren Pang sent to join us, former NHL goalie. Hockey analyst, TNT. Is he working tonight? What series does he have? I don't know. Maybe he's
0: been named the president of a hockey team, too. You know, they're going after those broadcasters now.
2: Panger, how close were you to beating out Keith Jones in Philadelphia?
5: Uh, Like really close. (laughs) Except they they wanted a guy that that played longer in the NHL, that had more hair with the potential to go gray. And they wanted a guy that played in five overtimes and didn't get a shot on goal, uh, which was Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. And so that's why they picked Jonesy. So he, he, so, uh, he met up all the, all the prerequisites. He passed them all. So
2: the uh, talk, it's gone during the, the year Jonesy. I think Jonesy's still doing the games. Yeah. He's going like, to do the final. He's going to do the final. He's going to do the final. How's he going to do a final? He's the president of the Philadelphia flyers.
5: You know what? Uh, he is actually doing the Eastern conference final starts tonight. He's going to, he's going to fulfill his, uh, his contract. He said to me and, uh, and it's going to do them. I was in the bullpen. The right-hander was ready to come in. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, you know what? But Jonesy, uh, I, I said to Jonesy, you're already making enough. for Schnagels being the president, do you really need more? But he's uh, he's ready to go. <laughs> well, good but for I, him. I, you know, in all sincerity, what a phenomenal guy. Have you ever heard an outreach of of one guy getting a job like that where there's no animosity, there's no bickering in the background, there's no, uh, he can't do it, it's all you know what, Jonesy can do it. He'll be just fine. Oh, I, yeah. I just love that guy. I've got a lot of respect for, for Keith Jones, and, and he's so fun to work with. Uh, you know, this the, the part that I'm going to miss is that I have done several games with him, including Winter Classics, and I, I just love being around the guy. So it's, he'll, be, he'll be greatly missed on the TV side for sure. And just
2: from a selfish point of view in hockey in general, like we need the Flyers going here. We need the Flyers to be the Flyers yes. in, in in our league.
5: Yeah, we do. I I would wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I I was thinking back, um, maybe just getting old, but I was thinking back to, you know, big games that I've done in my career as a broadcaster, and and I was thinking back to, like, you know, I I did that Game 7 game with Steve Levy when Eric Lindros tried to dance through four guys and got drilled, you know, by Scott Stevens. Game 7, Philadelphia. Uh, Going to the rink, getting ready for a game in Philly um, was just so, it was not... um, you knew you were on a big stage, and you're you knew that as even as a broadcaster, you had to be ready to go because they are they're so um, demanding of you as an analyst. They're demanding of themselves. They're demanding of their players. And so, yeah, so to get them back on board is absolutely essential uh, for the NHL. I don't think it's in the near future. I think they got a, a hell of a road to climb. Uh, but I think this is uh, this puts them in a in a, in a pretty good. Sp- to start it off anyway,
0: so with the playoffs uh well rod brindemore is is great in his own way, but you got three other coaches I mean, look at the history been around the- you know the winning i mean peter DeBoer, fourth team he's taken to the final four, and all very media savvy which which is uh good for you guys and, and good for the viewers and listeners like us
5: really good and and hey kipper i know I know you're you're there with one of the all time best right there, but he made me your vision a long time yeah. ago, yeah yeah i I might have I might have to rename you you uh, you might need a vision after your last name now with all the shows you're doing holy <laughs> jumping, um, but moving. <laughs> It's called Stelic Vision.
2: Well,
5: yeah. <laughs> it might. So, um,
0: so, anyway, just to say, Darren Pang sitting alone there, Leafs are playing Chicago in the playoffs in 1994. We're at Maple Leaf Gardens doing the big show in the afternoons. And Darren Pang, a couple times, comes up in an empty press box and whatever. And that's what we created, Panger Vision. And that we did, a, like, we did a musical entry for it. And here we are these years later. It's made zero, <laughs> but it just sounds big. Panger Vision. I
5: like it. And I like doing Stellic made, Vision as well. Yeah. Thank you. Me too. I love it as well. And uh, so I didn't want to to to, uh, to step back on you on the, the coaches because it, it, it is important um, in our, you know, in our business, as you guys well know, to, to walk into a, whether it's a little private meeting on the side or just listening to them or maybe doing a interview during the game is to you know, to have guys that have been around that have experience, but also have great personalities. And I can tell you firsthand, I, you know, I did a, a large part of that Toronto and, and, and uh, and a Florida series. And, you know, it, Paul Maurice is is an exceptional person and, he, and he's and he got a flair for the TV side and he, he knows how to answer a question. Even if your question's bad, he knows how to come back around and, and make you feel good about it. And, um, you know, Pete, I mean, Bruce Cassidy, heck, i played with on five different teams with Bruce Cassidy in my career and we've won two championships together. I love that guy. And uh, I always thought he'd be great in TV, to be honest with you. And years ago when he was in the East Coast League, I told him, Do you want to, You want to get away from this business and get into TV, I think I can get you in. And uh, it's worked out for Bruce Cassidy and and obviously Rod Brindamore, an exceptional human being and a a well-rounded coach, a successful coach. So someone's going to win, and it's going to be a heck of a ride. I'm looking forward to this Final Four. I know there's a lot of naysayers out there because it's not a big market, but heck, that's what you go to camp for. You put a picture of a Stanley Cup in, in, in that locker room. And your dream is to win the Stanley Cup no matter where you're playing. I'm pretty excited for these four teams.
2: We're talking to hockey analyst uh, of TNT, Darren Pang. So one of the four is going to lift the Stanley Cup for the very first time as a head coach. We know Rod Brendamore's uh, history as a player. But uh, pick one, the, the best story for you, first time head coach winning it. Is it? Is it Cassidy? Wow. I I...
5: Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, for, I mean, for me, that's a personal thing, you yeah. know, I mean, to see Bruce Cassidy and probably all year long too, Kipper, you know, and rightfully so we talked an awful lot about Jimmy Montgomery and the Boston Bruins. And, you know, there's Bruce Cassidy that had 105 points last year. He's He's taken them very far. He's advanced this group of young players. I know they were, I know he was tough on them. There's no denying that, but that's, that's what hockey's all about, and, and, and they're, they're now well-rounded people and they're well-rounded players, and, and so, you know, I, I'd be thrilled. Obviously, if Bruce Cassidy won the Stanley Cup, I'd be, I'd be just thrilled for him, and that's very personal. That's not, you know, that's not the Vegas Golden Knights or, what, or, or players that I know on that team. But the other guy is, you know, it's Paul Maurice. I mean, he's, he's always treated us extremely well, not that the other guys haven't, but he's, he's done things pretty well, and he was going to retire. I mean, he, he wasn't coming back. He was fishing. And, and the, you know, the right call came his way. The team was underachieving all year long. And, and now they're the dragon slayers. So that would also be an incredible story for a guy that started his career at the age of 26 and is still in the game, you know, coaching. I think that's a, a remarkable story for me. So, Panger,
0: let's talk about the position you played. And uh, every team's used more than one goaltender, which you know decades ago would not be the case. It's not goaltenders do is Mike just don't seem to steal series anymore. It's I, is it because all the goaltenders are so great? I mean, what is it that now now you just need good enough goaltending to give you a chance to win? Is that fair to say?
5: Man, when I was playing in the late '80s, Mike Keenan would have used six goalies by now.
0: <laughs> That's right,
5: uh, Doctor um, Hook. You know, I, I oh my goodness, I I still remember. I I retired that year, but uh, we we made some trades. We had Jock Clucci. we had Greg Millen in Chicago. We had Eddie Bell I think you might have had Hawks. I, I can't remember. But uh, then you got Greg Millen got pulled, and he's going up and down the the bench with the with the towel, and oh my goodness. Um, but getting back to this year, the 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 fact is, um, it's it's a difficult not a difficult – it's always a difficult position, but we don't have the goalies that we had in the late eighties and nineties you know like we we have good goalies, but you know there there's what eight eight how many elite goalies do we have in the league now like how many really elite goalies do we have and and I think going side to side laterally post to post is very difficult on these guys, and I think that the athleticism has to be such, at such a high rate to be able to keep up with the pace of the chances the dot to dot passes on two on one breaks. It used to be the goalie had the shooter, the defenseman had the pass back door. Now the percentages and the analytics and the, the, the fact that these players try so many different moves in practice, whereas we got frustrated back in our era and through Stixit guys, if they tried that kind of hot dog and stuff, well, now that's just hockey. And it's really difficult to stop. So you're seeing a lot of grade A-plus chances. And I don't believe the defending is as good as it probably should be. So now you're getting all-world chances on one-timers, dot-to-dot, no chance for the goalie. And and, and you lose a little bit of your mojo in that net. And and so it's been hard to steal it. I always felt like in this era, it was hard for a goalie to steal a game against or a series against Colorado. You're going to get pulled in a couple of games just because of the difficulty and chances that they present to you, and, and you just, you're just you fatigued. And so you might get pulled in one game and then have to come back and win 3-2 in another, another game, go back the next game and get maybe pulled again. But, you know, eventually you got to win four games. And, you know, Tampa Bay gave teams fits like that. Um, now you know I mean we're we're seeing that that the mental fortitude or I guess you could describe it of the goaltenders isn't quite there for a long period of time and I just have to think that it's the difficulty in the in the chances against but it also is the lack of the high end goaltenders and I don't have to tell you guys I mean I just mentioned an era Hasek uh, Belfort, Brodeur Wah. I mean, you can go on and on. I mean, that's, that, that, you know, you, every goal you face in the playoffs, even Javi Boulin, uh, Kolzig. I mean, Curtis Joseph, like, it, you know, the list, Grant Fuhrer. So I, I, I think there's a, a watered-down product in the net right now.
2: Panger, I blame the reverse VH, and there's two goals. <laughs> the, two goals this, like, past week. And you covered Toronto and Florida. It was Willie Nylander's short side goal that uh, that uh, pushed yep. the game into overtime. Where Bobrovsky's been great, but he, he scored off like three feet off the goal line, and then yep. White Johnston Dallas on Grubauer with a backhand that ended their season.
5: Yep. I, I, I'm. You're not going to get a disagreement here. I, I I'm. I've tried to understand it. I've tried, I've tried and tried and tried, but I just feel that there's no reason hockey sense wise for a goaltender to go down and put yourself in that position, no matter what size you are, when a, when a guy has an opportunity to score from the sharp angle. And I really don't like hearing that it's a great shot, you know,
2: And Sammy disappears, Panger disappears, (laughs) and our producer Sammy disappears.
0: So we try to get Panger back, right? And try to get Sammy back. Is Sammy thinking, rethinking his job? What's he doing anyway? (laughs) (laughs) He's going to talk it over. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, we may get him back. We may not. Derek might have him here.
0: I think Derek might have him here. I don't know. See what give. Just he
2: did. He did agree with me, and I'm I'm with him. I. They want to play the percentages. That's all. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, is that a is that a good position to? I, I know there's sometimes you do play the percentages. Yep. We all play the percentages. We shoot short side if we can. If we. He's there again. He's going through Indiana, so that... TNT really should fly them, <laughs> don't you think?
0: So he's going through Indiana. Do they not have phones in Indiana, Darren? Everything okay?
5: I, I got to tell you something. I am going through Indiana right now, and the cornfields are surrounding me. I'm driving to my uh, little lake house in Michigan, and uh, I'm sure there's a cell service somewhere around here. I, I can see it with tractors and stuff. <laughs> so I apologize for Just that. stand up on um, your car roof. Going, <laughs> I stand up and don't go down in the reverse v on the goal line <laughs> on the left. You know when a left-hand shot um, has the capability of stepping out a little bit, or a great shooter with his skates on the goal line can still pick the top corner of the net, and so that that is very frustrating to me as well. And I get more text during the course of a game from NHL players saying, "Ugh, oh, you know that that's not a great shot. It's a terrible goal against," and uh, I should take a screenshot next time of the amount of people that send me a text, and I guess. Like, I, I didn't do the reverse BH. I couldn't even begin to explain it. So um, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk about it. But all I know is a bad goal is a bad goal.
0: But the other part, Kippy, or excuse me, Darren, about goaltenders, you've always talked about the speed of the game, the speed of the game. which is And, and so if you're a goaltender now, are you not expecting a guy coming at you 100 miles an hour, passing, crossing, passing the puck 100 miles an hour to someone who fires it at you 150 miles an hour? I mean, that's almost, that's almost part of the job now, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it, it is, but it, it's still hard to pick that puck up off the, the, these sticks. I mean, you know, you think back to, Gord, of, of the 2005 lockout. There's a lot of rule changes implemented there, but one of the things that we don't talk about was the increase in the curve. You know, that, you know, so you're taking these shots, heel-to-toe saucer passes, and they're, they're coming off like a trampoline effect on those blades, and it is probably really hard for these goalies just to pick them up. But the other part of it, it is, as bad as the reverse VH goals against that that can be frustrating, is how poorly are two-on-ones being played? Like, how many times do you see a defenseman slide into a great passer? Um, the one thing that you have to still have is hockey sense as a, as a player. If a guy's a passer, if it's Adam Oates, why would you go toward Adam Oates? You know he's going to make a, find a way to pass that puck perfectly – to Brett Hall, and Brett Hall is going to one time and you got no chance whatsoever. So I think there's just some technical things in, in our league right now that, that aren't maybe where they've been in the past, the structural part of the game playing a two on one break. And, you know, I don't know. It's, it, 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 that's part of it as well as is, is a little bit frustrating because the goalie's got zero chance on the backdoor one time play because maybe the defenseman prematurely goes over on a bad slide and makes for an easy pass.
2: Okay. I'm going to end this segment on, uh, on some panger vision, give you full credit Uh week before the trade deadline. You were pumping up Ryan O'Reilly and, uh, Nola Chari. Tell us how great they were. you had yeah. inside information and, uh, you <laughs> like, take your game no to another level. You could have given us the, the best had- scoop of the year, but you just kind of threw it out. But, uh, Watching the series, covering I, the series for the Leafs uh, in the first two rounds. Uh, what, what's your overall take of where the Leafs fell short?
5: That's it. You know, that's a really good question because I, you know, being around the team for the first time in a long time. Um, I mean, it was 2004 that Steve Levy and I did their last series win, and I never did a playoff series in between 2004 and 2023. Um, but so you don't get a chance to be around the players like I finally did in the series against Tampa Bay and then the series against the Florida Panthers. And I loved what the the new players brought to the table. They brought a hot stove element. They brought a like guys that hung out in the locker room and wanted to you know just wanted to talk hockey with you. Luke Sen and, and Ryan O'Reilly are, are the two most obvious answers. But they were always ready around with you, always available. I think they tried their I do think they tried real hard, every single one of these guys. What was the downfall? You know what? The downfall to me was I didn't think they played that well in the Tampa series. And maybe that fooled them a little bit. I'm not sure. But they didn't seem to come into that series and push the envelope against Florida when I thought that they could have taken advantage of the best line for the Florida Panthers, is the Bennett line. But yet, Kachuk looked like he was battling something in that. He didn't look like the same self that he that he had in the seven-game series against the Boston Bruins. Bennett obviously is a thorn because he hit really hard and he and he you know he had some injuries and he and he did some things, but he played hard. But I thought they, the better players of the Toronto Maple Leafs, should have taken advantage of the fact that that top line in particular wasn't as good as they should have been. And that's what disappointed me is that. You know, the top the top guys couldn't break on through to the other side, as Jim Morrison and the Doors once said. And I, I fully expected them to, in any given day, I was like, okay, here comes here comes Austin Matthews. Okay, here comes on a rush. Here comes on a chance. Okay? And then as the game went on and it got harder, there's fewer rush chances, and he was less effective. So I think that was the disappointing part to me, not just Austin Matthews, but I think they're, they're, the core four for sure uh, weren't difference makers like they should have been.
0: Uh, so, Panger, when I saw you last, maybe, at Scotiabank Arena, Josh Levo was trying – you were trying to find out when you played with his dad. Did you ever find that out, Josh Levo felt his dad played hockey with you at some time?
5: Yeah, no, we couldn't find – we couldn't track – the years didn't fit. They, they didn't fit. They weren't, they weren't in line. So, um, I love Josh. He has no hair like me, but we, we couldn't get that aligned.
0: See, just the aura of being around Panger makes people think they played with him when they never actually
5: did. You know that? <laughs> that well that might be it. I in fact Bill Zito, I found out that Bill Zito, the general manager of Florida, uh was a bat boy for the for the Brewers. And uh and and he also skated with us with the Milwaukee Admirals in nineteen eighty four from eighty two to 84 85 four, eighty five. He'd always come back and skate and be a stick boy. I found out a lot during this playoff run. <laughs> All
2: right, Panger, one quick one here. Florida, Carolina, who's going to the final?
5: I'm staying with the underdog. Oh. I'm going to stay with the hot goalie and the underdog cats.
2: All right. Sammy, hear that? Yeah. Meow. And one of the reasons, meow, is I,
5: meow, Sammy. I just, I didn't think that, uh, meow. I think Matthew with the time off, I think he needed some time off. I think something was bothering him. And I think once you get that line going, you get the Lundell line going. I thought Barkov, I think he's got more game left in him. And I think that goaltender is the hottest goaltender right now in the playoffs.
2: All right. Hope everybody's enjoyed this version of on golden pond with Darren Pang.
5: <laughs> You're a beauty Kipper. Don't ever change pal. All right, pal. Enjoy the lake. We'll
2: see you soon. Darren Pang, everybody. I wonder how far the drive is. So
0: he's got to go from Illinois to Illinois, St. Louis, right? Yeah. So Missouri, I don't know. Then Indiana. I wonder how long the drive St. Louis to Detroit. We'll figure that out. Well, Google it. Uh, I don't Google. It's okay. Whatever. Used to be Northwest Airlines. That used to go there. Used to do all the airlines.
2: They're all merged now. All right. So, uh, Sammy, do we have uh, anything out of Paul Maurice? Any uh, Kippers Clippers? Now that Sheldon's shut it down for the year? I poured through the tape today of... Anything good?
1: I was saying this to Gordo. He's a weird guy to... Cut audio of because he said he's tough to clip. Everything's so, like it's, it's kind of bloviating and over talking and
2: everything's so. You <laughs> say bloviating? You're not, you're not enjoying it? I don't know. He's just. He, you know what I think? He reminds you of beating out your leaves. No,
1: I, I said through the whole thing except for I think there was one day where I turned a little bit. I didn't. I, I don't hate <laughs> Paul Maurice. I like Paul Maurice a lot. I like Paul Maurice so, when he coaches. So okay the Leafs. It's okay to hate in
2: the NHL. It's good for our game.
1: But I liked, I liked Paul Maurice as the coach of the Leafs. I've loved Paul Maurice's career. I've followed him closely. Like, I think he's a great coach, and I really had a lot of respect for him. Some of the stuff he was doing in the Leafs series pissed me off a little bit. But it wasn't like the John Cooper stuff with him. But like I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't find him – like, his press conferences are very good for the media, but, like, you don't get a ton of information out of him. He's just kind of talking a lot. But – I did cut one clip of him talking about what this series is going to be like and what the expectations were, if you want to hear that.
2: All right, let her rip. Okay, let's go.
6: In that you're probably not here, everybody's got some version of a weakness. And I don't know if it's a weakness. But how about this? They've got something they're way better at, because you have to have something that you're really good at to get here. But you've minimized that to the point that you're here. It's, it's, just, it's just not your strength anymore. I, I don't find, I mean, analytically, Carolina was highly unusual compared to the rest of the league their defensive numbers are off the charts and their off of numbers are really skewed to the right as well so i don't i don't see that weakness we've had to improve defensively drastically right we last year they scored a lot of goals this year we score a lot of goals and i don't think that's going to have anything to do the goal scoring part will have anything to do with this series it's going to be both teams are going to grind this thing as hard as they possibly can they both understand their systems they both understand their game it will be as it always is in the end of the players, right? The guy that gets it off his stick a little quicker inside the bar instead of outside the bar. One more block shot, one more stick in a lane. It'll be the minute details.
0: So there you go. Okay, can I, can I tell? Yeah. Uh, can I tell? And Derek, Derek and, and Sam, you're going to tell you, here's a, a Palmery story, okay? you like the story. Kipper, you'll like it. Remember you worked with us at Sportsnet for a bit? I guess you would.
2: i we we worked uh, the Stanley Cup final yeah. together, in, yeah.
0: Uh, the year Calgary, and he used to ride Bobby T's motorcycle in the uh, when we used to be up at four one in McCowan. Remember Bobby Torrance had the motorcycle, and Paul Maurice oh, yeah. <laughs> rode it a bit. So so I had heard this story, and I asked him if it was true, and he said it was. It says a lot about him as an individual. Harry Harry Neal tells the story that there's an NHL All Star game wherever it was. So we're talking a couple of decades ago. So Bob Cole's doing play by play, Harry's doing color. So. The All-Star Game is the only time there's a mishmash of everybody from different teams there. So it can be, you know, a little confusing. It's not like what Bob Cole and Harry normally do, Toronto versus Philadelphia, Edmonton, you know. So coming out the morning of the game, so Bob Cole's with Harry, and then he sees someone down there, and he said, Harry, who's that? And Harry said, because he thought it legitimately was, Timo Solani. So anyway, Bob Cole starts going over, and Harry realizes, oh, my God, it's Paul Maurice. The blind hair, probably. Well, and the, in, so anyway, Bob Cole starts talking to Paul Maurice like he's Timo Solani, like asking about Finland and all this stuff and everything. And Paul Maurice is there with his parents. And Paul, realizing Bob Cole's in pretty deep, assumes the pers- personality of Timo Solani. Right, just for the brief interaction. Did he, yeah, did, just whatever. Just did for he go through an accent, no, just, just accent. Just whatever. Just because. Just Bob was just looking <laughs> new pleasantries, but but anyway, So anyway, and so Bob left satisfied that he had a few words with Tima Solani, <laughs> and I asked when we worked with him at Sportsnet, and Palmis, don't you ever tell that story. It's true, like you said that, but it's a true story. It just, it just shows that, you know, I, I, I like that side about him. He just kind of said, okay, here's a Hall of Fame legend broadcast guy, <laughs> and he's that's with like, my parents. He thinks I'm Timu, so I'll just answer a couple of Timu questions, and he's going to go on and say hi to somebody else. So I always thought uh, that's a real neat God. little slice-of-life measure of the guy. Right, Sam? Hilarious. Yeah. And you think about, particularly back then, there, there's a similarity. Like, Timu Solani, yeah. Paul Maurice... You know, whatever way back when. Both still pretty youthful guys. I mean, no one's more youthful than Timu. But anyway, I always got a kick out of that.
2: Kind of reminds me of a story. I took my dad to a players association uh in Lake Tahoe. Right, okay. And, and uh golfing, my, me, my dad, and uh Ken Baum, Baumgardner. Ken, he's disappeared. Oh, he's super smart somewhere. Oh, I know. But anyway, somewhere. Bomber. I like Bomber. Yeah, okay. so. You know, we were we were finishing up our round and we we're getting to like the eighteenth hole and uh my dad says, Hey, thank you, Paul. And I'm like, Who's Paul? He goes, Oh, yeah. And then he answers and I go, He's not Paul, he's Ken. And I go, Did he did he just call you Paul? He says he's been calling me Paul for four and a half hours. I didn't have the heart to tell him my name's Ken. <laughs>
1: I I have a I'm really bad with names and it's one of like the great things I, I it horrifies me that i wish i was better and i hate calling by somebody by the wrong name but i can never remember anybody's name it drives me nuts
2: listen i do my best buddy chum pal pal boss big boss, guy big guy yeah <laughs> i got i got a, I got a bag full of them for you if you yeah. want them yeah. i use all those skipper there,
1: there
0: you go do you do the one when you're not sure and so i'm talking i i am talking to uh Sam, but I'm not sure of his name. So then you come, Kipper. And I just go, hey, Nick, did you, see- <coughs> do you Like, do you do that? Because
1: like, you're, you you're like in no uh, man's I gotta land. Yes. I, oh, like yeah. yeah. so, I got to try that. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got to try that. I'll be interested, if we can go back to the, the hockey game, what I'm actually interested to see tonight is that, you know, a big difference between the Leafs and Florida was the forecheck of Florida and their ability to get on to the Leafs. Decor in terms of them creating turnovers in the offensive zone. Yeah, yeah no space. No are they, space. Are what are they going to do to Carolina? Is D- that's what I'm wondering. Are they going to? That's that was probably the biggest. And they big, did beat him in five strong games. Strong and mobile, and they can break the puck out as good as any. That'll D-core be. In the we'll league. find out quickly in the yeah. first ten I mean, minutes. Burns, Pesci, Slavin,
0: Shea. You know, Brent. Bur- you know, Bear, On and on and on. Yeah, like wow,
1: wow. And we kind of, I kind of made fun of them for that Bear trade, thinking that you know it's oh, it's such a. Such a Carolina move. It's not the big star they're going for. Everybody thought they were going to go after Timo Meyer, and they beat Timo Meyer pretty handily in a series, and Bears contributing for them well. Indeed, like like move. Max
0: Domi, right? Yeah. Like I, I love those ones that, uh, you know, the big names are the big names, and it didn't pan out for the New York Rangers uh, in there, but the other ones, like, and that, and it can, it can be an element of luck sometimes, but more often I'll give pro scouting credit, Kipper. You know, just about, you know, you'd say, that's where you try to get a pro scout. It's just about where's someone that can fit in a – in a different a better role we can give them a better opportunity
2: and they can embrace that with our team that maybe they're not getting with their current team Nick Kiprios Gord Stalick Sammy McKee a couple of news and notes around the league let's start with uh, Lindy Ruff uh, going back to New Jersey and how close he was to fire yeah so is that
0: really a news and note on May whatever day it is today 18th is it
2: I don't know. I mean,
0: it just, I, it's in put, my lineup. I put
1: it in there. I'm looking for no, stuff.
0: It beca- I know, no, no, it, no. It, Sam, no, At no least, It At it, it least you've given and us note. nothing to talk about. It was a news and note because someone did ask uh, Fitzgerald the question. So he kind of said, yeah, Lindy, you'll be back. But it's an incredible story that Andrew Burnett was made associate coach, okay? And, and so the optics were to the fans. Yes. Lindy is on beyond a short leash. And the fans decided, we're going to make it no leash. We're going to start calling for his firing the second game of the regular season. And, wow, what a, you know, good on Lindy. And, hey, it's, it's like the pedigree of all these coaches that are in the Stanley Cup Final Four, right? They've been around different stops. And uh, um, I wonder, how was Andrew Burnett thought of? As a, I'm, I'm big on him as a potential coach. In Calgary, people wonder, because of Jonathan Huberto, does a guy like Burnett, who had him in Florida, or Gerard Gallant, who had him in junior? I mean, that's the one guy Calgary's got to get going like, how do, how much does that factor in any kind of decision in Calgary? Who's yeah. still looking for a GM?
2: Yeah, by the way? I, it just seemed that once you have uh, a team at, like the President's tr- uh, Trophy Champions there last mm-hmm. year and you don't get the job done, there's maybe a just a little bit of a stigma there.
0: He was in the final three for the Jack Adams. I know, award. I know. Well, wait, talk about stigma, Jim Montgomery. Okay, different kind of stigma. But got the opportunity and became first overall. Did anyway. Um, it, all it takes is one guy to like you or one woman to like you. Whoever's doing the hiring—that's all it takes. Thirty-one other situations can n- have no use for you.
2: Want to get your thoughts on the Arizona Coyotes? And I think it was yesterday that Clayton Ke- Keller's father tweeted out that he'll, his son's going to leave Arizona. And I don't know—is it followed up with anything, Sam, from Clayton? Keller today, uh, in terms of wanting out, is his dad Alan Walsh? No, is dad. is the okay. And is this what's happening now? Are he, um are are the guys just uh all, all their best players just bailing right now?
1: His dad. This is where he he sent a tweet to the Arizona Coyotes uh, official account when they put out the uh, the the statement that I put in the lineup yesterday. Keller will not be there at the beginning of the season and expect others to follow or not sign. Team will be moved, and there are no other options, and Phoenix will regret losing a professional sports team. City just got diluted from a perception standpoint. Privately financed, too, is what he said. Did he mean it as an email to the organization, but it became a tweet? I Maybe. Probably mm-hmm. could have been. But I, how could you not feel that way if you are a player there? Like you're really going to make us play at a college? Like, and especially Clayton Keller was a long-term contract. How many more years has he signed for? Like,
0: yeah, but trust me, Gary Bettman already by ex- expressing his extreme disappointment, that's big. It's kind of when he went into the Calgary, uh, uh, the Calgary City Hall, and that with guns ablazing, that you better, you better do something here, or we're going to move the Calgary Flames. He's been loyal, loyal, loyal to the Arizona. Or uh, city forever, but come on, this is this is it. This is Uncle. And this,
1: but they're, they're sh- play, but they're going to play there next year.
0: Well, one more year. Yeah, no, no. I just well, mean then, it's, it's it's like okay, uh, Winnipeg, uh, Atlanta. The time has struck
2: twelve. Uh, not, let's talk. It, it sounds like they're not going to do it with their thirty-seven goal score here. They're short of stars, and yeah. if this guy wants out, well, look, people have wanted out before, and
0: they have to stay. I mean, it's not the best scenario. It's a terrible scenario. Like, I mean, you know, and 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 Bill Armstrong, all he can do is what he's been doing—a really good job on the ice, right?
2: But what a yeah. horrible look! Oh, that you're now, now your players are like, I'm not going back. Okay, so here's a quick one. You remember
0: Arizona? Remember Bob McAllen, John Shannon talked forever about the Arizona situation. Remember that about a dozen years ago? Like, almost too much. But anyway, they were on top of it. They had the info, whatever. But a lot of it. So do you remember when Doug McClain was on and uh, the Ross radio I ever heard when Bob told him he's never going to come back on the show on that? Do you remember that? I do remember it, yes. What it was about was Doug was on because he had all of a sudden his name popped up with a potential ownership group. Bobcat was with another potential ownership group, right? So he wasn't happy because he didn't think Doug had come. This is the story behind the story. That Doug had become clean with him before about it. Well, meanwhile, I mean, neither ownership group ever got the team. But as you know, when you... when So it was a weird radio because it started innocent enough. And then Bob was really pissed at Doug. And Doug didn't really realize how he was.
2: I never heard that.
0: Oh, yeah. And it was... Now, they made up later on, okay? But I remember people going, what the hell? I go, I don't know what... And then... And that's why there's always an ulterior motive, right? There's generally a vested interest. And it's funny, theirs became about the Arizona Coyotes and new potential ownership groups that were, you know. and Really? Yes, it was, it was, wow. I found it, I found it a- awkward at Moose. It was, it, it was it, but it, it was, uh, I don't know if you ever could find it. it that was,
2: one got away from me. Yeah. I never heard. It was on Primetime Sports. He was just on as a guest. Are we, and, Sammy? do we have Doug McClain on uh, Off the Rail Fridays? You'd know better than me you call him up I don't know usually. he's I don't know where he is he's going on a trip somewhere
1: we'll call him see if he see if he picks oh, up oh no
2: i want to ask him about well, that
1: so i mean craig morgan who does all the work in the in like covering the coyotes and covering all this stuff he's saying that they're they're the coyotes are still looking at five or six sites like apparently there's a fiesta mall possibility i don't know what the hell that is but like like dante's yeah like they're they're still get to play after
2: all the stores close at 9 p.m yeah (laughs) yes
1: yeah after the college team plays on their rink they can play there or they can play at the mall after the denny's closes
2: kippy is that like the dante's fiesta the fiesta mall could that be it like
1: (laughs) when i over when i over ordered one night
2: that's right Great peppers. So
1: yeah, the me- mess. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, who cares? But they, yeah. it's they're eyeing a is the Fiesta to Mall site. Okay. Land. I'll be go. there. Anything Fiesta, I'll be there.
2: Wow, Gord. Just two hours felt with you exactly two hours. <laughs> <laughs> the sands of time. It's like the soap opera. The sands of time slowly coming down the hourglass. Our thanks to Trip Tracy, Jeff Chikrin, and Darren Pang, and Gord Stelik, who we have again tomorrow. All right. I'm so grateful for that.
0: I warmed up today. I'm good. I feel No, You're terrific. It's like I went in like Joe Wall. I'm going to be good.
1: Sammy, gone. this time tomorrow, do we have an answer on Kyle Dubas? No, it's on a five o'clock yet. Four minutes after we go off air, we will.
2: What do you think? No, I don't think so. You don't think so, eh? Well, okay. Okay. To be continued, let's talk tomorrow.